Good morning. It is September 19th. It's a sunny and very pleasant morning in New York City. The previously unbearable humidity is down to 75% and falling. And this is your Indignity Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Skoka, taking a look at the day and the news. The lead story on the front of the New York Times is Five Americans Freed as Tehran Gets Oil Revenue. Swap took two years. U.S. unfreezes $6 billion. GOP denounces Biden over terms. Seems like Biden is treated as kind of a spectator to his own deal here, but but it did get more prominent placement than Donald Trump's 2020 deal with the Iranians for one prisoner got. This deal comes as a curtain raiser on the U.N. General Assembly meeting, which Joe Biden will be speaking to today, meaning, once again, it's time to stay away from the east side of Manhattan and avoid vehicular transportation really anywhere on the island. Get on that subway. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said yesterday that the killing of a Sikh leader in Canada in June was an assassination carried out on behalf of the Indian government on Canadian soil. The victim, Hardeep Singh Najjar, was, the Times reports, known for his advocacy of the creation of an independent Sikh nation, Khalistan, that would include parts of India's Punjab state, and India had declared him a wanted terrorist. Canada also expelled an Indian diplomat who the foreign minister, the Times says, described as the head of India's intelligence agency in Canada. Elon Musk, the world's wealthiest man and most prominent Nazi sympathizer, met with Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday. The Anti-Defamation League, the Times reports, praised Netanyahu for raising the issue of Twitter's rampant anti-Semitism to Musk rather than criticizing Netanyahu for meeting with an anti-Semite. Elon Musk carried his sweaty, incompetent posters persona into real life, apparently. The Times writes, At the venue where the men met, the subdued audience, composed mainly of senior Israeli officials, was twice chastised by Mr. Musk for failing to laugh at his jokes. Bit of a dry house we've got here, he said. Twice chastised for failing to laugh at his jokes. Not just once. There are so many things in this world that Elon Musk doesn't understand, but there may be nothing that he understands less than the fact that he is not funny. The Times sent Trip Gabriel to Wayne, Michigan to take the temperature of the UAW strikers, as if the picket line were a diner. UAW members skeptical of Biden's commitment to their cause is the headline, and the top photograph and the first voice in the story belongs to Jennifer Banks, a striking worker. I can't tell when he speaks to the public if he's being told to say it or if he's genuinely saying it, she told Gabriel. In a quote Gabriel introduced by saying that between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, many auto workers were not convinced that the current Oval Office occupant was the one more forcefully on their side, and followed up by saying the ambivalence toward Mr. Biden underscores an ongoing challenge to his re-election, as Democrats try to stanch any more bleeding of blue-collar support after three years of inflation and high interest rates. Only then does Trip Gabriel get around to mentioning that this specimen of the typical auto worker is a political independent who voted for Mr. Trump in 2020. So the problem of Joe Biden being in danger of losing even more blue-collar support than before is illustrated by someone who never voted for Joe Biden. Excellent work from Trip Gabriel, as usual, on the Real Americans beat. Can't wait to see who he talks to next and what conclusions he decides to draw from that. On page A23, a big photo of John Fetterman in a hoodie and basketball shorts accompanies the news that the Senate has given up on having a dress code. The Times account of the previous dress code and its enforcement is extremely confusingly rendered. It was enforced by the sergeant at arms. Despite being unwritten, it was an informal set of rules. 
Yet Amy Klobuchar had to formally appeal in 2019 for women senators to be allowed to wear sleeveless dresses. Whatever it was, it's been trampled by John Fetterman's big feet attached to his bare shins. Down at the bottom of the same page is the news that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy continues to be unable to prevent his party from pursuing a government shutdown, which is another way of saying that the leader of the Republican conference is successfully giving the people who made him leader what they want. And on the front of the arts section, the dance between the Web Times and the Print Times continues as David Marchese's interview with Rolling Stone founder Jan Wenner finally makes it into the paper newspaper with a tag above Wenner's photograph promoting it as the interview that got Jan Wenner removed from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's board. An editor's note tucked under the headline includes a statement from Wenner. In my interview with the New York Times, I made comments that diminished the contributions, genius, and impact of black and women artists, and I apologize wholeheartedly for those remarks. Too bad. Now it's all down in black and white. That's the news. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to Indignity to keep us going, and we will talk again tomorrow.